The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome to Sister Speak. You're here with me, Mariam. And it's me, Fadeen. Assalamu alaikum everyone. And welcome to the show. Today we'll be talking about the Hijjah and the importance of forgiveness. But before we do that, Fadeen, could you tell us what our show is about? Yeah, so our show is a platform for Muslim girls to voice their own opinions on current events and issues and inform discussions on general topics such as religion, culture, politics, etc. Please know all opinions and views are our own and we respect all other or opposing views. As mentioned, all opinions and views are on and respect all other opposing views. And if you want to join in that discussion, how can they contact us, Barry? So you can call us on 01582481822 or you can WhatsApp us on 0779481822. We are also on Instagram at SisterSpeak. So if you have any thoughts after the show, then you can DM us and we'll be more than happy to answer. And we are also live at, on Facebook at InspireFM Newton. As mentioned, we'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm going to start off the show with a segment called Thought of the Week. Um, it's a segment where we share something insightful, something we're thinking about, something that we just want to share, a personal anecdote. So, Farine, can you tell us what your Thought of the Week is? Yeah, so, now that I'm free and I don't have anything to do, I am just... I was th- just thinking about how actually addicted we are to our phones. Not even social media, just the like the physical comfort of having your phone in your hand. So, for example, the other day I was at work and I didn't have anything to do and I didn't have any Wi-Fi. So all I was doing to not bore myself was just going through my gallery because I didn't have any Wi-Fi. I didn't have anything to do. And just having that comfort of actually having my phone in my hand is sometimes I feel like it's so... Like, I can live without my phone. And I think it's a general feeling for everyone. And, like, you're going... So, for example, your mom's calling you to the living room. You go with your phone in your hand here and there. And there's always messages coming through. And my overall thought of the week is just the fact that we have to... <laughs> I have to use my phone less. I don't know about everyone else. And that social media is always going to be active. There's always going to be new things coming on. There's always going to be new messages coming on. New posts. Social media is just... It's always going to develop, you know. And just... The fact that I need that comfort of having my phone in my hand and always knowing what's going on in the outside world, not inside my house, for example, it's such a scary feeling. And so what I'm trying to do now that I finish my exams and everything, I don't have anything to do. I'm just trying to be more active, not no social media, not on my phone, not virtually, just active physically, talking with my family members. When my brothers, for example, they still have school, when they come back from school, so I'm like talking with them, not on my phone, like, oh, look, what this this is what happened, this is what happened. So, yeah, my overthrow of the week is just I'm trying to be less addicted to having my phone in my hand, not even just using it. Well, that's a really interesting uh, thought, especially in terms of that you just had exams. How was that like, not using your phone? I imagine that you put your phone away to ensure that you can commit to studying and to be focused how did you feel any withdrawal symptoms can you elaborate on that um so withdrawal symptoms now that i'm not using my phone i really honestly it's making me feel so much more active now that i know that i don't have to depend on my phone just it's not literally it's not using my phone it's just having the physical weight of it on my hand it's just it's honestly crazy how dependent you are on it so i'm just feeling more happy and during my exams so, so what i did is obviously in college right now you or when I was in, in college <laughs> literally like two weeks ago you have you're always talking with your friends you're always doing that so what I planned with my friends was there's this app and it's like a you build concentration trees I think I talked about it when interesting yeah I think we talked about it when before I went over for my A-level exams and we were talking about tips on how to concentrate so this was this app and it's like a competition of who revises more so if you use your phone then your tree is killed it's broken and sometimes even so you push yourself more if you're too addicted which I'm not at that level now but if you're too addicted then you have to pay and then if you break that tree then you it's going to take money off your card so it's a really motivational app I'm going to say but the fact that it was with my friends that I could see for example if they were revising then I could join their tree so it just really helped me not be off my phone obviously um, I still had my phone around me which was it's a bit contradicting to what I was saying but it really helped me revise and it helped me motivate and I was like oh my friends are revising then I'm just going to revise as well it's just that general feeling of that everyone's doing something and we're not on our phones there's a lot of data to suggest around people doing a certain act and then everyone follows through it and I think um, having your friends to support you in terms of studying and you collectively doing this act together and having that awareness that they're doing it to you does actually help and I think 
when you're in university or if you're studying in any capacity, going to the library is really good because you see other people uh, discipline, you see other people immersing themselves with education and so you implicitly feel like you need to do the same. Yeah. Um, what's really interesting that I want to kind of ask you is that, <coughs> did you say that the phone, the physical aspect of the phone is what gives you comfort, not necessarily scrolling through it? Yeah, on, yeah I mean, not obviously when I have to something to do i don't have my phone in my hand but the, for example so do you think it's a physical mo- motion that you need to have this phone yeah in case something happens someone's ah, calling me i just I need to have a i just need to be alert at all times and it's something nothing's gonna happen honestly who am i, I so okay i think that makes this that gives clarity because what i'm trying to understand is that it's not just the phone itself it's the ability to receive information so that yeah. instantaneous ability to respond to something um which is really interesting because i think that especially we, uh, as generations are growing and evolving, I think the the, the aspect of social media becomes sec- second nature. It's very hard to distinguish yourself out of the the internet world, really. Um, and how do you think that this has really impact, impacted you in terms of your mental health? I imagine the 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 essence of just const- constantly being connected might have a negative effect on you. Or if it hasn't, what are your thoughts on that? It does have a negative effect. I feel like my your brain doesn't sleep at all. You're always just, I want to get new, adep- new updates on this, new updates on this. And you're just not active physically. You're just not active with your family. So I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, I think for me, it was like taking me away from my family time, from talking with my brothers. And even, as you say, in, in this um, generation, my there were some trends, I'm going to put quote marks, that I knew 10 years ago and my brother knows now and he's eight. So it's uh-huh. really weird that I'm, I don't know, mumbling a song or something and then he's mumbling the same song. I'm like, how do you know this? And it's just the fact that he has access to a phone sometimes and obviously it's limited. But um, the fact that he, for the f- first thing is, oh, I'm on my phone, I'm on my phone. And it's just not be active all the time on, on social media. I think it does really have a negative mental. And he doesn't go out. I don't go out sometimes because I just want the comfort of being on my, ho- on my house watching a movie or something. So, yeah, overall, I my resolution i'm not going to say new year's because not yet but my resolution for this summer and for my future is to use my phone less Mm -hmm. and to not really have social media as my second nature yeah i think i think i can resonate with that actually because um with me when i feel really overwhelmed i kind of withdraw from social media completely and even if it's not me engaging or creating posts and things like that i just feel like reading other people's posts or watching other people's posts implicitly impacts me because I'm receiving all this data and I think we don't realize subconsciously we're taking so much information in if you were to read a hundred books in the same day you would be overloaded and we don't realize actually social media has the same impact because you're taking all this information in and you don't really you're not really processing it as effectively as you should um, because the human brain cannot have doesn't have the capacity to kind of process everything simultaneously or in, in that kind of volume and so when we think about social media, we don't actually realize that we need to be very intentional with it and we need to be more present in our actual day. And the irony is, is that whilst we're more connected with everyone else, as you mentioned, you become disconnected with the people around you. So in terms of your kind of moving forward, as you mentioned, you said that you want to be more present with your family, you want to be more proactive. Um, do you feel that it's that something that's uh, reflective of your friends as well? I imagine having friends that also don't have the same kind of mentality that can impact the way you converse with each other or is that something you're doing as a collective? I think it's just for my own personal and I feel like because in college you just go through two years you're seeing each other every day so there's not really much to talk about we might Mm -hmm. just meet up on results day obviously there's still contact you still talk with your friends but I feel like for two years you're still not college and you're going everywhere you're talking with your friends and you essentially when I used to come home from college I used to sleep so I really wouldn't talk with my family out all that much because I used to be that tired but now that I'm just at home I'm not doing anything I'm talking with any of my I'm talking with my friends you know just 10 minutes I don't know, just, oh, how are you? I'm okay. That's it. But just, I don't know, talking with my parents, seeing what they do in the mornings, because in the mornings I used to be in college. It's just it's just nice. I just oh, like to be present lovely. with my family. And especially because I'm moving away, then I'm just feeling that I have to live in this moment. So then when I'm away, I don't feel guilty of, oh, I didn't spend much time. Now I'm alone. Because I think I am going to have that feeling of, obviously, you're always going to feel homesick, no matter. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm really attached to my family. And I almost feel like I'm too too attached to our family so i need a bit of independence there's no such thing i think family is like the most fundamental aspect of your life and 
whether we stay with them or away from them, they are a big part of our lives and we should have... I feel like Farine's getting emotional. <laughs> I'm getting emotional. I'm honestly going to miss my family so much because oh, I've yes. never... I've obviously lived by... Living by yourself is such a big thing, especially in... It's going to be a new... Not a new country, but a new city and everything. So, yeah. yeah I I'm haven't had that experience yet. And I can imagine I'll be very upset. I think it'll take me a very long time to adjust. And I think... What you're doing is a great thing because you're trying to be more present in the moment with your family. You're trying to build bonds. Um, and you think about it as well. I, re- I remember when I was in university and when I used to come home, my parents were asleep, my mum was asleep. And when I used to go, she was asleep. So I never used to see her because I would go to uni very early and I would come back very late to ensure that I can you know, take the best out of university. And I just remember that there were some points where I haven't seen my mum for three days and I live in the same house. And it's weird, w- it's weird. And that's when it, when it occurred to me that I really need to actually balance this out because sometimes it's so easy to just become um, one-dimensional and you're just pursuing this one thing, whereas you don't realise the other kind of responsibilities or you don't even realise that the other important things in your life. And I think... From Islam, we we, we learned that we should have everything in balance. Um, and we talked about mental health in previous shows and yeah. the aspect of, you know, studying in a more effective way. Um, so you do listen to our other shows on it's on iTunes or Spotify. Yeah, I just want to add that, you know how we feel like guilt that or we're not spending much time, but it's... Uh, you know, imagine, uh, for example, my dad, he used to work um, very er- early in the morning and then come very late at night. And we we used to be little kids. So he almost didn't miss our childhood. But, you know, that those little things like, oh, she start walking or she started saying mm-hmm. something. So all of that effort that he made. So I feel like I have to not it's not obviously I have to give it back. And I really want my dad to see that I'm there, you know, because he missed he was working all the time for us at the end of the day so that's such a beautiful thought i didn't even think of something like that that is so <laughs> beautiful because i because our parents they came to sacrifice everything for us so they can they went survival mode because they had nothing to fall back on and you're right they missed out on such big um, milestones of our lives because they were busy trying to make sure that we can survive that we had food on the table that we have a roof over our head um, and more often than not supporting the, all their family ba- members back home um and th- their mental health must have been on decline, but they had no time to even think about yeah. their well-being because they were thinking of the well-beings of others. And so for us to be able to strike that balance is really pivotal because we need to understand that they missed out on the relationships with us because they had no choice, whereas we can have that consciousness. And I'm I'm only talking to the people who have that financial ability. Of course, there are some people that still have uh, their, fin- their financial circumstances don't allow them to to have that relationship they still have to work they have to study they have to do all these things simultaneously but for those who do have that uh financial stability i think it's really important to schedule time with your family and to actually see see that your family is the forefront of everything because that's what they they put you in that position had your parents not sacrificed everything for you you would not be able to study you would not be able to really do the things that you're doing you would not be able to pursue your passions your develop pursue things that make you really happy um think about your development those are unheard of for them. Yeah. They could never have imagined that they could think about their development. They just could think about survival. So it was a really, it's a very good thought that you have uh, Thank mentioned. you, Maria. Anything else you'd like to add? That's all I have to add. Now I'm going to ask you back, what's your thought of the week? Ma- I hope you have thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the host here. Okay. <laughs> um, my thought of the week uh, was actually a quite similar. What, or, uh, my thought of the week is about what we've been talking about, actually. Just being intentional. Um, especially because it's Dhul Hijjah and we will be talking about the virtues of Dhul Hijjah in the next half. But I think, you know, because it's the most blessed 10 days, I feel that it's so important to reconfigure your um, your Iman in any ways that you can um, to make sure that, you know, you're getting the best out of these 10 days. And I think, like you mentioned, that your intention is to please your parents and to spend time with them. But actually beyond that, it's actually pleasing Allah because yeah. to take care of your parents, to give them time, uh, to honor your family, to maintain ties, it's something within our Islamic framework. And so therefore, if we have intentions to do that, then inshallah we'll be rewarded. And I think that's something that I'm trying to adopt in thinking about what my actions are going to be today to day and how I can make sure that I have good intentions with everything that I do. And I think that is a very good way to actually realize that you internalize Allah a lot because you're thinking about everything I do surrounds and is central to Allah and Allah's pleasure. Um, so yeah, my thought of the week is about just trying to be more present in the moment and trying to be more intentional with everything that I do. Um, because I feel like that will develop your tawakkul in him. Because I think a lot of the times you you get so immersed in your life and you don't realize that a lot of things are affecting you, especially with in terms of your mental health. Um, recently, I've been feeling quite overwhelmed as well. And I think that 
once you realize that only you only have a certain capacity to do things you're quite limited in that sense but the rest is with Allah and Allah gives us that framework that you just do your best and the rest is with him and I think for me to be able to internalize that I need to be more intentional because I need to remember Allah I think the more I remember him and the more I remember I'm doing it for him and the more I kind of think about my purpose the more I feel more inclined to feel positive um, so that's my thought of the week do you wow. have any thoughts that's beautiful Mariam honestly that's it's like Every thought of the week that I have, you frame it so beautifully that I don't have any words for it. Every thought of the week, now you're, honestly, I think, I think it's it's not about how how you articulate it; it's about what you feel and how you express yeah, that's that. Yeah, true. Um, and I think that even this show, I've seen your development, Tabarakallah. It's it's been amazing, and a lot of people don't know. For those who don't know, Farine's third language is English, so she's come from all the way from Spain, and she's on a radio show. So, one message that we can give is that. Just never be afraid to try and just try to do everything in your capacity to develop yourself. And I think there was a talk that I went to yesterday and it was about how um, one of the things that she's, the person mentioned, the perm sake of education, what she said is that sometimes you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to exasperate your growth. Um, however, the caveat was that don't put yourself in so uncomfortable situations that, that you can't even navigate it. And so therefore that's not conducive to your growth. I think that's quite profound because a lot of the times people focus on the first half, put yourself in an uncomfortable situation for growth, but no one actually thinks about if you put yourself in two uncomfortable situations, um, then you're not going to actually, it's not really conducive to your learning as well. Perhaps you can have a, do you have any thoughts on that? I think putting yourself in uncomfortable situations for me was literally joining radio. It was uncomfortable at first, obviously. You don't know what to do, but I'm glad I did it. And it was, like you said, it's, it was, has been so good for my growth. But imagine if I did this and I put myself in another uncomfortable situation, I don't think I would have been able to deal with it. So it's all about doing gradually, I think. Mm, absolutely. I think being putting yourself in uncomfortable situation uh, and incrementally growing is really important. But I think another thing is that you have to be self-aware so if you don't have self-awareness and you don't know what makes you a strong person or if you don't know what where your weaknesses lies, it's quite difficult to assess what's uncomfortable and what's not. Um, and another thing that was mentioned was that you um, a lot of people think about, you know, how do you mitigate gaps in your own in your own um, development? So if I'm weak at something, how do I develop that? But not a lot of people focus on what their strengths are and how do you become how do you become an asset to something? So if you're really good at speaking, how can I refine that and make myself even stronger that I actually become invincible? Let's just say, per se. Um, I think that's quite interesting, actually. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's very true. If, for example, your skills, you're always looking up for your best skills. You're always looking to build them up, strengthen them up, develop them mm. a bit more. And your weakened skills, for example, I would say, for example, my organization. Then I, I try to work on it, but I focus on my strengths so I can develop them a bit more, get them you know, out there. Yeah, I think having um, I think having a sh- having that shift between your strengths and weaknesses is really important. I think there shouldn't be just one focus um, because that's where it is. Right, we shouldn't think in polar in a polar way. We have to be able to be quite holistic in the way we develop ourselves. Um, I think that's going to be the end of the thought of the week. And I do have some questions that I do want to ask you. Well, we'll be now playing um, our favorite game on Sister Speak, which is on the Freshly Grounded. And I think this is quite an apt question, actually, relating to our conversation. So the question is, what motivates you to get out of bed every morning? What motivates me to get out of bed every morning? So... What motivates me? I don't know. I actually do. There's so many things. There's so many things. But for example, just, oh, I can't think of it. I lost my train of thought. You start first. Should I start? Okay. I think the first thing is the alarm. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing that motivates me is to switch off the alarm. I think, I think as well, uh, but in a more tangible way, I definitely think is my responsibilities. My responsibilities make me wake up every morning and, um, it's for example the first thing that we should do, be doing is praying, praying Fajr, um, and that's my duty towards Allah. And then I have to wake up to to work. That's my duty because I, I signed a contract and I, I have to, I'm liable to to do the work that I've been assigned to. Um, I think a lot of it is not motivation. I think a lot of it it's responsibility and discipline. And I I personally feel motivation is something that's very fleeting. It's not something that's sustainable. And I think as I have grown older, I realize that I have to really polish my understanding of how I can be disciplined and have to strive for exercising a good um, understanding how discipline functions in my own life because discipline looks different in everyone's life. But it has to be effective to how you kind of work and function. And again, that relates back to my 
favorite thought of the week and my favorite um, thought is having introspection because if you don't reflect, for me personally, if I don't reflect and I don't know where I'm going and I don't know where I'm heading, I feel quite aimless. So I have to have introspection. I have to reflect. I have to understand myself and then I have to understand what my purpose is. So my purpose is to please Allah. My purpose within that is with my responsibilities and so for me, it's about actually gaining discipline as opposed to motivation. Yeah, so you, you don't think that motivation and discipline, for example, if you were waking up for Fajr, it's obviously your duty to, to um, Allah. But you also, I like, I also get motivated like, oh, I'm pleasing God. Yeah. So I do think that motivation does come with also with dis- yeah, discipline. Yeah, it comes with it. But I don't think it's, for me, it's not the fundamental thing that drives me. It's discipline that drives me. And I think motivation is something that I don't latch onto it because I know it's going to, for me personally, it's something that's going to just dissolve. Whereas other people, perhaps motivation is something that they feel like, oh, I've done this thing. Yes, that's that's a really good feeling. I'm going to do it again and again. But for me, that's not sustainable. I will feel good for a couple of days and then I'll be like, no, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> so um, I guess, so yeah. What, what's your thoughts on that, actually? I think I get more... Um it's like a balance between discipline and motivation I think they're on the same it's like 50-50 because for example just uh, waking up I have something to do I'm motivated because it's gonna I don't know I'm gonna get my steps in or I'm gonna meet with my friends so discipline is also very important in my life but I think I put motivation first instead of um, discipline so we are different yeah we are very different and people have different ways of approaching things Um, and that no I have another question actually (laughs) Uh, if you could give me a piece of advice on anything what would it be? If really? I could give you a piece of advice, yes. all my advice I get from you, what am I supposed to give you? Um, a piece of advice. Um, you have so much to offer. You have so much experience. You have a bank of experiences. Share them with me. I have no idea what, um, what kind of piece of advi- advice I can give. I'm just going to say to try new things. I always say this. I said this as my mm-hmm. third of the week, just in general, not to Mariam, but tomorrow i want <laughs> it to be me i want it to be tailored to uh, you want it specifically to you okay to everyone in general i'll just say try new things join everything that you mm-hmm. like like we said build your skills up and all of that and for mariam i'm gonna say this i don't i don't feel like there's any advice i need to give you oh, wow. i feel like all my advice i get from you already so there's nothing i can offer you back i think i feel like people think that just because you're a certain age and you're older you have experiences but i genuinely think that you can learn the most from people from who are older than you and younger than you because you're more dynamic and you you you're fresh in terms of your education and you're going you're navigating so much different challenges that i didn't navigate through and so even your social media aspect in terms of holding the phone that was really intriguing for me so you have a lot to offer i think that's what i want you to get at but clearly you don't want to ask my question let's move on let's, let's move, on. move on it's okay it's okay like i put on the spot i'm sorry <laughs> that's okay maria there's only one is this only me today it's just me and mariam by the way that's why she oh, put me on the spot. oh this is a personal one between me and you okay i think this is very important for me to understand in fact perhaps this would be a good segue for the last question Marine, how can I improve my communication skills with you? How can you improve your communication skills with me? So I'm going to say, because sometimes um, I feel like Mariam speaks true fast. And I think I've said this so many times before, but Mariam does speak really fast. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, what did you say? And then when, she, when, you, when you repeat it again, I also don't understand it. But it's, sometimes it's embarrassing to be like, oh, Mariam, can you repeat this again? So I just, I just nod, hoping that it's not a question. <laughs> So I'm going to say is for the next time I feel like we should slow down. There's also sometimes where I, uh, where you say something and then I say something back and we're having two completely different conversations. I feel like, like we just walked together and it was kind of happening. So I said something and then Mariam was like, what, what? And I just, I, honestly, I didn't have the energy to reply. I was like, let's just leave it. And, uh, I I didn't, well, really, that's really interesting because I didn't feel like, I thought we were on the same page. Really? I know. I don't think we were, when we were coming uh, down, I don't know what we were talking about. And I said something and I feel, I feel like I changed the topic a little bit, but you were still on that page so ah. i think i moved on to quickly from that page i think that's okay. what happened so i think i think i need to be more proactive in terms of listening to what you're having to say or perhaps like i'm still having this conversation i should engage in that conversation no, in that no, topic no, with you it's, it's my communication with you and so therefore i need to be but i actually think you've talked quite fast as well so that's why i thought we understand each other. yeah that probably that's why i mean in my mind i don't think i talk that fast well you talk more faster than me probably um <laughs> Oh no, that's really good feedback. I think it's really, that's very, um, it's very good. It's very valid, actually, because I do speak very fast. Yeah, and you know, speaking about all this stuff is really 
beneficial to everyone it's not even like a friendship yeah. in any relationship communication is literally the first thing yeah. and just saying oh you said this to me i didn't like it no. just that is going to improve your relationship so much better yeah like now. it's really interesting because we both came to the studio together and i thought we were our conversation was very fluid but you said that you felt it was disjointed and so therefore <laughs> now i have to be more conscious of that um which is a good question you should ask your friends i think uh for those who didn't hear the question is how can i improve my communication skills with you i think that's a really good way to understand each other and to kind of develop a good bonding with someone and gaining feedback but we are now coming to the end of the first half of the show um it was really interesting to hear your thoughts on uh, multiple things for example my communication skills <laughs> um also in terms of social media i think we actually talked quite a lot about social media and the impact of it um and even having that phone having a phone and how that interconnectedness can come sometimes make you feel disjointed from actually reality and divorced from reality and how do we kind of navigate that and perhaps we can actually probably delve into that a little bit more um in another show uh we have actually done a show on this social media so do kind of join on itunes if you do want to have a listen but we are now coming to the end of this half and in that in the next half we will be talking about the hijra and forgiveness so do join in and we'd love to hear your thoughts assalamualaikum warahmatullahi Assalamu alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to Sisters Speak. You're here with me, Mariam, and also joined in the studio is... Me, Fareen. Hello, everyone. Um, and welcome back to the second half of the Sister Speak show, where we'll be talking about the hijjah and forgiveness. Um, in the first half of the show, we talked about we talked about social media, the impact of social media. We shared our thought of the week. Um, and we are currently playing the game of Freshly Grounded. For those who don't know, Freshly Grounded is another podcast that is online. Um, and they released a pack of cards that have very throat-provoking questions. Um, we are going to play a couple of more cards uh, before we actually delve into our main topic, which is the hijja and forgiveness. Farine, do you want to start off? Yeah, so I just want to clarify something. So in the first half, we were talking about, so it was the question of how can we improve communication skills? So in the break, me and Mariam would have been uh, debriefing about that question. And it just all just came down to the fact that I speak a little bit sometimes in Tikrot language. So that means I say stuff, so I say like slang, but I would say it in real life. And to Mariam, obviously, it wouldn't make sense because I'm always, I have a Tiktok account. You don't have Tiktok as an app. So when I say this stuff, I just expect Mariam to understand it for no reason. So that's where the com- lack of communication comes from. It's not the fact that Mariam doesn't listen to me. It's just the fact that I say slang and I say words that I'm maybe new to her because she doesn't have the app, but I'm really comfortable with and I use in my daily life. That's <coughs> where it comes down from. I did not ask her to clarify just to let you know, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Mariam, so I'm going to ask you, how can you improve your, how can I, I improve my communication with you? Except the fact that I use TikTok language. Well, to be honest, it's actually a very good question because actually I wasn't aware that he'd been using TikTok language. <laughs> really? <laughs> so this was a revelation to me. Um, so that's good. So, that, so now I know I'd be a bit more aware and alert that you're speaking. You might be speaking riddles to me and I need to be understanding what you're talking about. It's not even riddles. It's, you know when you say like um, W-D-Y-M, what do you mean? So I'll say that, but I'll say it in real life. I wouldn't actually, sp- I would spell out the words. I would just say the abbreviation of it. Oh like, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm very bad with that. Actually, a lot, all my friends know I'm really bad with abbreviations. I'm really bad with slang. I just I can't process it. You're I can't just comprehend. too formal. I'm too formal. I don't. I wouldn't even say I'm too formal. I'm informal in the sense that I can have a conversation that's fluid, but I'm just not up to date. I'm just never up to date with. They just. It's always evolving. There's just so much slang. I I can't keep. I can't keep myself, you know, up to date with these things. So, that's one thing. Um, I think this pro, this kind of this conversation is really important because there's a lot of things that I didn't recognize within myself in terms of which you kind of shared in the break but I think I think for me is to understand like to be emotionally intelligent you really need to hear what the other person's saying and for me I thought that's what I was doing I thought I was exercising emotional intelligence and understanding this is what she's trying to say <coughs> but you you felt that I you, you you don't because I speak so fast. Firstly, that's the first barrier. I speak so fast that you're unable to comprehend what I'm saying, and even <laughs> even when I repeat myself, that's difficult for you. Um, but I haven't given the space to ask again. So I think I'm going to be more con- conscious. In if you do ask me again, actually, I need to slow down 
and unpack what I'm trying to say and to ensure that you actually can hear what I'm saying or listen to what I'm saying. Um, so that's something that's something that has been really insightful for me today because I really do appreciate this feedback. Um, in terms of my communication with you, I think I would say the same. You talk really fast. Um, but I think I think it's kind of I can I can understand what you're trying to say. Um I think text messages is something that I'm I'm really terrible with. That's something that I just take. I can watch for that. <laughs> I'm really bad at text messages. I just can't. I'm a radio host. I prefer conversation. I, t- I prefer voice. And I think that's something I was talking to someone about this as well, that I can't decipher people through text. I can't understand. If someone is talking to me on text only and our only interaction is on text, I can't determine what kind of person you are. I can't read through that. I can't read through the lines. I can't see the nuances. I have to meet the person in person. It needs to be a both. Um, and actually, I actually want to ask your thoughts on that because I think we're talking about communication. It'd be quite insightful to hear. Do you think that you need to interact with someone in person for for you to be able to determine what kind of person they are or your relationship with them? Or do you think you can speak to them on text only and that will suffice? No, I want to say not necessarily. I think personally for me, I uh, all of my friends, for example, when they text, I know what kind of their mood they're in just, just because we're really close. Mm-hmm. And for people that I don't know, I don't. I can just feel the vibe. I don't know. It's so it's so weird. But for example, if someone's, if so, I'm just gonna give an example of what I goes through my head. It may be something totally different of how they are in real life. But may I may not meet them. So if someone's saying something and they put a dot at the end of the sentence, then I'll in my mind I'm like, oh, they're very formal. So I have to be formal back. So that's my mm-hmm. kind of my how do you say my thought process. But it might not necessarily be true. And it's always better to meet the person in real life. Yeah, so I think for me, it's uh, having conversation with someone just through text messages is not enough. I can't. Can it, for you is that would that suffice? Say if you met someone and you only met them once or twice, and you ha- you're just texting them, do you think you're able to determine that person just through the text message interaction? I think it's it's weird because in my mind I already have a personality for them, but they may be completely different in real life. But uh-huh. from that the experiences that I've had, for example, I, I was texting my just a classmate that I had, and um, she was the same exact person that I met through text, which is really mm. weird. She was this really this really like bubbly person. Sometimes when you're texting someone through text, you always always obviously feel more comfortable through the phone texting. Um but then in real life you maybe oh maybe she's shy, maybe she's this, but she was mm. the exact same person. That's so, a good green flag. It was a I good think green the flag. difficulty is when you can't find coherence in someone's text messages and their personality and it just it's very destabilizing, actually. You know what's... Uh, sorry. Go ahead. You know what's weird? Um, I'm just going to share something really quickly. So uh, when I first came to college, so we had this Spanish class, in my Spanish class. So for the first week, we were all so awkward with each other. We didn't say hi to... So we were just in our little groups, you know, when people that you just know. But then um, we created a group chat and then we started talking in that group chat. And then the week after, we started talking to each other in real life. So we got comfortable through text and then we mm-hmm. got comfortable in real life, which is really weird. And now that I think about it, in that moment, I was like, oh, thank God we have a group chat. Now we're going to be comfortable which is it's not necessary we were in that same class so I think it's maybe it's because of the nerves of joining that's really form. interesting because I see where you're coming from in terms of it breaks the ice it breaks the ice yeah when you're speaking on text messages and you first speak to someone I think people are more willing to be vulnerable on text because they can decide what they're saying it's quite conscious it's quite intentional um, and you can delete messages and you can decide what you're going to share whereas when you're speaking in person whilst you can be conscious of what you're saying sometimes things will just slip out without you even realizing and um and even if you want to be very conscious of what you're saying then it's not an organic conversation and that impacts the way someone receives your impacts your bond um so i do see what you're saying yeah for example if someone thinks this message is funny then everyone's gonna think it but if if you're in a group and someone thinks it's not funny someone so you just it's like a peer pressure thing i think in real life Oh, on that, I think on that note now, I think we are going to move into our main topic of the day. Um, it was really good to talk about our feedback on our communication skills. I think we should do these kind of exercises more often. We should. It, I, I, I'm, I really value feedback and I really value people who have emotional intelligence. And so for you to tell me that this is the things that impact our relationship it has been really valuable. So thank you, Farin, for sharing that. Um, That's okay, Maria. Thank uh, you for giving me feedback on my communication. I work on it now. <laughs> 
Um, so the main topic we are going to be talking about is Dhul Hijjah. We are in the month of Dhul Hijjah. Um, and for those who don't know, that is a month in the Islamic calendar. We go by the lunar calendar. And I wanted to talk about Dhul Hijjah because obviously next week will be the day of Arafah and following that would be Eid. And I think post-Ramadan, a lot of us go back to our daily routines and we forget to actually emulate the kind of characteristics that we developed during Ramadan and our potential that we reached in terms of doing a lot of good deeds. Um, so I just kind of want to talk about how Layla the Qadr is is literally the pinnacle of the last, um, just how Layla the Qadr is the pinnacle of the last 10 nights. The day of Arafah is the same and the first days of the, the first few days of the Hijjah is the same kind of essence. So how we put a lot of focus on Layla the Qadr in the last 10 nights, I think we should have that same mentality for these, the first day, the first 10 days of the Hijjah. Um, just some hadith on this. Um, uh, one of the virtues of the, some of the hadith that regarding the Hijjah is that Muslims, uh, there will be millions of Muslims that will be freed from the hell of fire. And this is narrated in Sahih Muslim. And your sins from the previous year, previous and next year will be forgiven. Um, it will be fast, which is again from Sahih Muslim 1162. And there is an hour where you will make du'a on the day of Arafah. If you make du'a, the, your du'as are accepted. Um, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this because I think that, especially that we are in these most really special days, I think we should try to take advantage as much as possible. Um, because the Prophet wasallam said that there's no good deeds done on other days are superior to those days on the first 10 days of the Hijjah. And I want that to set precedence of our whole show because I think it's really important to talk about how we should adopt really good habits um, during these special days so i just want to ask you um what how do you plan out how do you envision yourself in the next 10 days and how you're going to adopt good practices as you did in ramadan and even better in ramadan um for you to be able to take advantage as the prophet that there's no good no better days than these yeah i think it's um just uh, ramadan was a really good month to build up those habits for uh, this is just 10 days so it should be easy for us going through such a a big month so I think for me personally in Ramzan I did many good habits like uh, I was praying on time and I was seeking repentance forgiveness and um, I've been you know you try to do this stuff when you don't get too caught up with life and now that you have this 10 10 days I don't have anything to do so I'm really going to take advantage of it ask for forgiveness repentance and um, repentance Mm -hmm. yeah and just um i feel like for these 10 days i also want to um inform like uh how do you say teach my brothers a little bit about it because i don't think they know that much so oh from what i know and uh, just kind of talk with my parents and yeah that's what i'm planning to do oh so you see so you want to just uh adopt some new habits um or even just kind of polish the ones that you have already reinforce the ones that i did in ramzan but i just got too caught up too busy and i just couldn't do mm-hmm. I think one interesting thing that you mentioned in the first half of the show is that you want to be more present with your family. And I think I mentioned it in the first half as well that that intention could be an act of worship. Um, And this is something that I want to talk about, how people often look at these quantifiable acts of worship. And of course, they have their value and they have their place in terms of reading Quran um, and praying Salah, doing Nafo, Salah. And all these things are great and you should be able to do that. But I think we should realize that Islam is very individualistic and we can... Allah is literally waiting for us to do any act and give uh, and to reward us. And so what I'm trying to say is that um, even having good intentions with your family or maybe picking up rubbish or doing small little acts is more is is really beloved to Allah, and I think people should realize that, despite where you are in your journey in terms of your iman, it doesn't necessitate that you have to be in in a position where everyone is reading Quran every single day, and that will make you qualified to get the most reward. That's not the case. I think the Hijjah and then and then the first uh, ten days of this is should remind you that Allah is so merciful, and He wants you to you to get close to Him. And how you do that is the onus is on you. It's not It's not a competition. We talked about competition culture before. It's not a competition. This is your journey towards him. Um, and one thing I kind of wanted to point out is that on the Day of Judgment, Allah will weigh your deeds as opposed to count them. And that, for me, is very profound because what it shows is that Allah is looking at sincerity. So what's your thoughts on that in terms of navigating these 10 days and thinking about sincerity in your actions? I think this, um, there's so many deeds that you do throughout the day. Yet do you don't even realize the reward that you get for it? So I think during this 10 days, you're going to do small things that you're not going to think that I'm doing this mm-hmm. because 
it's Dhul Hijjah and it's going to be a good deed. You're just doing it, but you don't even know the reward that you're going to get um, for it. Yeah, so like even just helping out in your house, smiling at other people, making food for someone. If you work, perhaps bake something and make people happy, feeding someone, giving someone water, especially during this heat, giving water. There's so much reward in giving water to others. Um, and we mentioned in the last show that, you know, check on your neighbors and check on how their well-being is and give them water, craters of water. You just don't know if they can access it. Sometimes even the ability to go to the sink might be difficult for them, especially if they're elderly. So giving them water bottles for them to access can actually really help them and make sure that they're hydrated. And even that essence of knowing that someone's taking care of them, that you know, our neighbors have a right upon one another and we should be able to kind of fulfill that. Um, I think another aspect that we wanted to discuss um, is forgiveness and seeking repentance uh, during this holy month and holy 10 days um i wanted to ask you farine um what is the importance of forgiveness in islam so just forgiveness in general is uh, so important and it's really liked um saying sorry to one another and ov- obviously the most important thing is seeking forgiveness when you're praying and you know not being ashamed of uh, doing this because when you ultimately when you're um looking for repentance it's such a good deed for you and the fact that you like for example when i'm doing it the fact that i have that how do you say like strength to do Mm. it and actually seek for forgiveness is really important and uh, especially during these days is more abundant in um, during Mm. these 10 days and it's really liked by a lot if you seek forgiveness and repent repentance every day that's such a hard word to pronounce Uh, repentance no I, i agree i think one of the things that you mentioned actually um is about seeking forgiveness is actually as a mode of strength as opposed to a mode of weakness i think people often kind of conflate that the ideas um thinking that if i say sorry then someone's beneath me but actually towards allah you've elevated your ranks because he loves those that you know seek forgiveness and we know that in the day of judgment if someone is has something against us or we've hurt them then we cannot enter jannah until we've asked them forgiveness and we have to give our deeds to them um and even allah says that he's not going to be involved in that interaction that is between me and that person if i've harmed someone then i need to reconcile with that i need to resolve that so i think in these 10 months it's really important to kind of reflect and think about your interaction with others and thinking about have i said or done anything that has hurt someone harmed anyone and it can be quite uncomfortable because you might think that why is someone suddenly popping up to me mm-hmm. <laughs> um but you would rather have that sense of you know clarity that okay i've actually asked um whether they actually feel that they've whether they've actually forgiven you or not at least you've asked and you've done it sincerely um and you can only ask allah to like you know you've done your part you've done your part um and i think also one aspect is forgiving yourself and i think that's not something that we talked about because we all know that we're sinners and we're in, in this dunya it's a test and everything that encompasses this test is very challenging um, and sometimes we do fall short of our we have a lot of shortcomings and we fall short of trying to be the best person that we're trying to be um, and sometimes that can make you have a very negative perception of yourself and even it can transmit into how you you are love because you're just going to think well I have done so many bad deeds Allah's not going to forgive me and that's very wrong um, and that's something that's from waswasa and from shaitan so I kind of want to ask you how do people how can you reconcile the fact that you've done so many you know bad deeds and you want to be able to forgive yourself so long as you have asked Allah forgiveness how do you forgive yourself for you to be able to move on so like you said at the end of the day Allah is the most if you're doing with a sincere heart <clears throat> sorry and you are repent, repenting of oh, so that word again if you're doing yeah. with a sincere heart and you know that your intentions are pure and your intentions are good and you're seeking forgiveness just to pre, uh, praise Allah mm-hmm. praise yeah then oh, sorry what was the question I just, just so no no that's fine so if you um in terms of forgiveness, a lot. How do I forgive myself? Sorry, yeah. Yeah, how do you forgive yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So just um, seeking forgiveness, and also just realizing that we're all human. I know it sounds a bit cliche, but we're literally just human at the end of the day. Just mm-hmm. like you said uh, before, we're all sinners. We're always gonna commit sins every day. But just the important thing is always. For me personally, I feel like when I seek forgiveness, I you don't try to make that mistake again. And I think that's a really important thing to to note that when you're seeking forgiveness, you're doing it with the, the intention of praising a lot so you try to forgiving yourself is also not making that mis- um, that mistake again and even if you do then you know be don't be that hard on yourself and that you can al- always seek forgiveness yeah, absolutely i completely agree with you and i think the whole notion of forgiveness is so important in our religion and even allah says uh, the prophet said that whoever suffers an injury and forgive uh, forgives 
the person who is responsible, Allah will raise his status to a higher degree and remove one of his sins. So I think that gives precedence of how important it is. But also, I think to be be optimistic in his forgiveness and to know that so long as you have air in your lungs, you you have the capacity and the opportunity to ask forgiveness. Um, I think one thing that we talked about is how it impacts relationships. How do you think it improves relationships when you ask forgiveness? When you ask forgiveness, it improves massively because you have to be humble in every, I think, in every situation that you are. And uh, admitting that you're sorry, admitting that you made a mistake is such a big thing. And it, did, it doesn't show at all any weakness. It just shows that you're a humble person, you're a human at the end of the day. Yeah, and we believe that, that if there's an atom or even a mustard seed of arrogance, we not enter Jannah. And so actually this exercise is very good to purify your heart. Um, how do you? How, what advice would you give to people who have been affected by something really bad, and the other person hasn't taken accountability, but they want to? They want to be able to forgive them, but it's just really difficult. And this is not to say about oppression or abuse. None of that. Just maybe an interaction that can be forgiven, um, and it's not as detrimental to the heart. Because obviously, everyone has a right not to forgive people who's harmed them. Um, but for those who want to strive for that forgiveness and want to be want to have that um, you know lightness in their heart, what advice would you give? Um, I'm not sure. I did go through from my own personal experience. I did go through um, this just a little argument that I went through with uh, my sister, and I feel like with immediate family you don't really say sorry as much and it's not that normalized mm. so um we didn't speak i don't know for three days it was honestly step you know sister stuff yeah, no, so um just saying the word sorry just it was just so weird but the fact that i did it and she did it from her part just made me feel so much better if she didn't do it then i would have felt like it was all my fault so Interesting. the fact that she did it just brought me peace of mind and then I really that we were just okay after that so like I said before honestly saying sorry it just shows that you're a good person that you don't you're not afraid of making mistakes I think that's really interesting uh, what the point that you make in terms of family um, I think especially if you come from certain cultures people don't tend to directly express that they, they're sorry they try to do it in other ways in terms of uh, food. food. I was literally <laughs> going to say that food, um, but I I think that people have different languages and people have to be able to communicate according to those languages. So for them, um, especially for my family generation, for them that was an indicative that they're sorry. But for us, we don't feel that that's an apology because that's not what we're accustomed to. We we need that direct response, and I think that's where emotional intelligence is really comes through because you have to understand people communicate in different ways. And the way they receive that information would be different to how you perceive what's uh, what's correct and what's not correct. And it's, it's all subjective, really. Um, but I think what we should try to exercise is actually verbalizing the apology because that's very direct. And you're, you're taking accountability that I have done this and I'm apologizing and I take accountability. And accountability does not just mean by saying sorry. That doesn't Your apology doesn't stop as just re-verbalizing it. Actually feeling sorry and... I don't know. I feel like showing that you're sorry is actually such a big thing. And I yeah. think for children, that's what they do when they, when they, obviously, children, I don't think that they don't, don't have that much emotional intelligence at this age. So I'm just going to children have a lot of emotional intelligence, but they just don't have to express it. Yeah, definitely. So for, for example, I'm just going to take, for example, my brother because he's like eight now. Mm-hmm. So when he's sorry or he has done something, he doesn't say it. He just comes and like, you know, wherever he's hurt to you for my knee. So he just come and uh, touch my knee. You know, it's just, no, I see what it's the way that people, say sorry to you and you just have to kind of understand it especially when it's immediate family I think it's easier as well I think for children because they don't have the ability to verbalise it that's a bit a whole different story but I think as adults grown adults I think it's really important in terms of your communication to be able to verbalise that you're sorry and of course I think like you said a lot of cultures um, it's quite a negative thing to say sorry or it's just it's something that people resist but I think it's really fundamental I think it's, I think there's both things can coexist I think you can say sorry in a direct way but I think it's equally important to show it as well. So I feel that it's really important to be able to kind of recognize both of them. Um, but yeah, I think the next question what I want to ask you is what kind of emotions do you have to navigate when you say sorry? Because I feel that a lot of people can say, well, it's very, some, for some people it's really easy to say sorry and for some people it isn't. Um, do you think you can talk about how these emotions can impact you, um, especially when you're trying to verbalize it and you really can't? Uh, there's so many emotions I don't think I as much as I'm saying all of this whenever when it comes the time to say sorry when I know it's not my fault entirely or I didn't do anything Mm. but I still always an argument then when I say sorry I do 
I don't necessarily hold grudge, but I feel a bit angry. So, but I think anger, um, forgiveness comes before anger, obviously. So even if though it's not my fault, I didn't do anything, then emotions like anger, there's so many things that you feel when uh, you're seeking forgiveness. You feel sad sometimes. Or for some people, I think for me personally, when I'm praying and I'm seeking forgiveness, I feel so happy that I did it and that yeah. I asked for it and that I, I, I was actually put myself in that uncomfortable position at the end of the day to actually do it so it's different when i'm seeking forgiveness for example when i'm saying sorry for something that wasn't my fault then i feel a bit angry but it always of the forgiveness and the fact that i did a good deed always overcomes that emotion of anger but in in praying it just you just feel happy i think that's such a beautiful um point that you made that the the ability to make to ask forgiveness from allah would be different to your relationship with people and i think it's very easy to ask Allah for forgiveness because you know that he's the most merciful Forgive, yeah. um, and we should ask forgiveness more often um, I think that's something that I should hold myself accountable to um, but in terms of people one thing that you mentioned is that you're apologizing to someone especially in terms of an argument and you want to do conflict resolution um, and you necessarily feel that you haven't done anything wrong or you haven't done anything wrong and the other person feels the same way so how do you mitigate that uh, I think I think the first step is to apologize if you made someone feel in a certain way because feelings are quite subjective and so even if you feel that I didn't do anything offensive but this person's offended the fact that the person's offended I think it's emotional intelligence to actually acknowledge okay my actions have impacted you and I'm apologize for that and of course you know with that same person you're not going to act in the same way I think it's a mark of maturity and I think it's really important that we learn to apologize for that. I think the kind of implication of that when people have those situations, you feel that if I say sorry, this person's going to think that their actions were justified. And that's not the feeling that you want. And I've had so many um, occasions where this happened that I've said sorry, even though I know I haven't done anything wrong. And I've apologized for making that person, I've apologized to that person for making them feel the way that they did. Um, but I always feel in the back of my head, well, now they're going to think that their actions were justified and it's completely not. I think the way to reconcile that is that you just realize that you're apologizing for the sake of Allah. And that's and that's the fundamental thing, um, because that can only bring you solace. And it also makes you kind of give you hindsight on how to interact with this person. Of course, with friends that you can kind of withdraw if it needs to be, because they are your friends in the, the day. And if they're not benefiting you, then you, you need to withdraw because that's a choice. Friendships are a choice. When it comes to family, it's a whole different kind of story because you don't choose your family and you have to maintain kinship and you have to maintain ties. I think in that sense that you just have to be careful in the way that you know your trigger points and you know that person's trigger points and you try to just avoid that and just try to keep things civil um, just to ensure that you know the relationship is maintained and it's not compromised. Do you have any final thoughts on that? It's like you said, it's all about maturity. I think as we grow, when I used to say sorry and the other person didn't feel so like you feel so many emotions, but it's always important to seek forgiveness. I think we're running out of time. We are running out of time. I think it was a really insightful conversation. Thank you, Farine. Um, we are going to be back next week with another conversation. And thank you for everyone sharing their contributions. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.